HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Juul, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. Order now at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from a Brewers Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45, 1 o'clock, you know, Tuesdays, you know how it works. Listen, very special day here in the studio, joined with Nastasia uh, the Hammer Lopez, as usual. We got Dave in the booth. Yo. Yeah, I like that. Cut your, <laughs> cut your applause off like, just a boom, applause, gone. We have... Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go, Stas. Here, plus. Yep. Uh, we have a uh, formerly from Popular Science, now, uh, now, uh, what, Paul? Paul. Adams, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you call yourself now? Paul Adams. Yeah, just, just plain Paul Adams. That'll do. Master of drones, master of, uh, you, but you, like, how much of your mental life is devoted to each component of things you're interested in? You're interested in food 100%. Drinks, of everything. <laughs> yes. So it's like 100% drones, 100% At food, least. 100%. Cocktails. Yeah. Science. High functioning. Science. Radio. Radio. 100%. All of it. All of it. I like that. This is a, it's a good, good technique. So. It's a very special day. Call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Should we just start with yeah. the... Okay, okay, folks. The uh, by the way, happy Thanksgiving. This is the Thanksgiving episode of uh, of the Cooking Issues. Uh, so, if you have any Thanksgiving questions, please uh, call them in. We were going to have today uh, Mark Ladner from Del Posto. Uh, we, I talk about his new book, but I think we're going to do that right after the break, right? Yep. So that you know, we're going to push. Although it would have been nice because then people could on Black Friday go out and purchase his book. I know. Maybe purchase purchase the book, and then we'll come and we'll talk about it. He'll come in uh, next week. Is he already scheduled? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, uh, for those of you that are listeners to the show, uh, we at Booker and Dax have been working for, it seems like, forever. Yeah. Forever. On um, a centrifuge, building a centrifuge specifically for the kitchen and bar. Uh, and that's actually why Paul's here. Paul's helping us out with what's about to happen. Uh, we are at the point in production where... Uh, we are actually getting the tooling made for the actual uh, item, and so we are going to put it on pre-sale on Black Friday. So, yay, yay pre-sale! So, um, 
Nastasia, do you know uh, like when we're going to put the video? Are we going to put the video up before the presale so that people can watch the video or no? I don't know. You know, we haven't decided yet. <laughs> this is the first you've asked me. Yes, I know. This is why they call it live radio. What do you? What, uh, what do you, you want to do? Oh well, maybe people in the chat room can weigh in. We have a we have obviously a, they'd want to see the video. Yeah, the real problem the real problem with the video is I know, here's the reason I don't want to do it. Right? There's a first of all here, here's one thing. Our videographer had a family emergency, so uh, you know we had to shoot it ourselves. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm late today for a decent reason. I was actually editing the thing. So listen, I am not a video editor. So if you're like, blah, 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 you, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Trying to Would you rather like buy us interviews made by a professional video right. editor or right. by a professional interviews right. editor? That, uh, that's a good point, Paul. It seems like you're trying to get an award for this video. I'm event. not trying to get an award, Stas. Like, I don't want to hear the hate from uh, people from, of, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why is it? I got it from my wife. Yeah, from my wife. Even from my own wife. She's like, why did you do this? I was like, because I didn't have the other shot to put in. But you didn't go to school for video editing. I had to go to school for fine arts, but not for video editing. That's true. Anyway, point being, I don't want to hear. If you have any complaints about the way the video is shot, I simply don't want to hear them. Like, keep them to yourself. Anyway. Bias interviews, shoot your own promotional video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Or, you know what, look. Uh, you should have a contest. Make a promotional video. Oh, uh, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, you know what, well, though? They don't have I, I, t- I take it all back. As long as you buy the centrifuge, say whatever you like. As long as you buy it. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so the point is uh, we uh, made the video uh, with the proto. The name of the centrifuge is? Spinzol. The Spinzol. 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 The culinary centrifuge. And I already got someone on Twitter when I hashtagged it. Someone's asking me whether it only spins some things. No. It spins everything. Won't necessarily clarify everything. Won't clarify a rock, but you can spin a rock as long as you have enough liquid in it to balance out. So I think I've talked about it before, uh, but it's it's going to go on presale on modernistpantry.com/spinzol. Uh, that the link is up now, but it's just a splash page. It's going to go. Uh, That's not the actual link. What's not the actual link? What you just said. What is it? It's blog.modernistpantry.com/spinzol. Well, right now. But it's going to be yeah. it's going to be modernistpantry.com. Mm-hmm. I was going to say because the video the video also says that. So anyway, back to what I was saying. The reason I don't necessarily want to put up the video live is because it says order pre-order your spins all now. Only it's not now. It's in three days. Right. And we're going to hear about it. If I put it up, we'll hear about it. Anyway, should I even talk about? It? Should I talk about it or should I just say watch the video? Talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. What is the spins all, Dave? How does it work? <laughs> well, Paul, that's an excellent question. Uh, so, uh, basically, in a nutshell, it's this. I'll give you the pitch. So, the centrifuge is, if you ask anyone, if you ask, and we didn't have time to go out and get their, uh, what's it called, their, um, you know, uh, testimonials, but we'll get them at some later point. Right? So, Chris Young, uh, back when he was, I think he wrote that section of modernist uh, cuisine, but, um, you know, the, all the modernist cuisine crew, uh, I believe this, um, I think Wiley believes it, I think uh, Tony Cagliaro believes it, I think, you know, a lot of people believe that the one piece of uh, modern gear that is kind of beyond a lot of people from a price standpoint, it isn't the Rotovap, because that one's not as necessary to your day-to-day work in a, in a kitchen, um, it's the centrifuge. Now, especially for bar work, centrifuge you need it you know what i mean it's you don't need it but if you're going to do the kind of stuff that i like to do you need it if you're going to make your own orgeas it's extremely useful if you're going to uh, you know do carbonation you need to clarify things if you want to do uh, justinos just a wide variety of things uh for cooks it makes like 
fantastic herb oil. You got the no churn butter. There's just a bunch of like good techniques that it's really, really good for. But it's the one piece of equipment that's really kind of been beyond um, most people's capabilities, both home and pro. So at, at, for professionals, the problem is that the centrifuge is extremely large. So it's you know it's the size. Of, uh, it's basically like takes up the same room that an oven would take up uh, in, in a kitchen, but you also need to be able to get to it, right? It also needs balancing because they have big buckets, super heavy. It costs like eight to ten thousand dollars, but those are nice because they do like they do like three liters at a time, really like more like two because you don't fill the buckets up all the way. But like they're called like three liter centrifuges. Um, but anyway, so you're looking at eight to ten thousand dollars, ten thousand if you need the refrigerator, and most of you do because those centrifuges tend to heat products up quite a bit. Um, um, on the home side, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Who's got a house? I mean, I guess if you live way out in the burbs and your kitchen's in your garage, you could have the space to have a centrifuge there, but you just don't have the space. And also, it's very hard to justify at home spending eight to $10,000. But the alternative for a centrifuge to can do all these things has basically been the $200, uh, we'll call them the champion, or, you know, Paul, you had, what's yours called? Clinaseal. Clinaseal, which is handy. Designed for the veterinary blood market, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Veterinary blood market? Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. So the, uh, but Clinaseal's a terrible name. It sounds like Seal the Musician. No? Or like Seal the Animal. Like, why would you, see- oh, Seal because it's for blood, so it's sealed, so it doesn't spray, like, dog blood in your eyes. It sounds like some form yeah. of birth control. Ooh, wow, that's, that's rough. Just going to, it's going to a weird place, Dave. No, actually, it's named for Seal, the musician who invented it. Oh, okay. Well, then I like it a lot. I want to buy one, even though I have no use for it. But these small units, the problem is they use these tiny vials that are impossible to clean out. You're really only making, like, uh, all said and done, like, like uh, you know, 80 milliliters at a time or 100 milliliters at a time. Yeah, it's, it's it, pathetic. It's, it's horrible. So anyway, so the idea is, is how do you get uh, something that can make a reasonable quantity in a small package, and you move to what's called an open bucket. So... We built a 500-milliliter rotor. The rotor holds 500 milliliters at a time, but a real 500 milliliters, not like, oh, the capacity is 500 milliliters, but it really holds 300. It holds 500 milliliters of product, um, and it spins that much, and it's huge and open, so it's really easy to get the stuff out of. It's got fins. It balances kind of like a dishwasher. So the way a dishwasher ba- – uh, sorry, washing machine uh, balances is it uses a, a liquid ring balance. So as luck would have it, or as, say, as physics would have it, when something spins, uh, if there's a liquid in it, that liquid will tend to uh, move such that it counteracts imbalance that's inside the rotor. It tends to self-balance. The trick with it is, and I can say every, I mean, this is, patents on this are, go back decades and decades and decades and decades because washing machines have been a problem for a long time, um, and spinning ring balances have been around since, since forever. But uh, one of the problems is, so you need to keep the liquid from sloshing so that it can actually balance properly. One way to do it is to increase the viscosity of the liquid. I can't do that because I don't know what you're going to spin. So we have fins inside the bucket that uh, keep the the entire ring of stuff uh, rotating as a torus, but then we also have to allow movement in between. So part of the art is figuring out the shape of the fins on the inside uh, to get it to work right. But also, nice thing, you take the fins out and you have access to the whole uh, inside of the bucket. The other trick is is that I want you to be able to do more than 500 milliliters at a time. So we have what's called a tube feeder that fits into the rotor that allows you to add product into the centrifuge as it's spinning, and then it it, it pours out. Um, 
And so that's basically that's how, how it works. Now, there's some, some, some facts about it that are kind of cool. Uh, for those of you that haven't used a lot of centrifuges before, uh, spinning buckets is what we all use because you need the capacity. But fixed angle rotor, which is the kind of the crappy clinoseal model, actually clarify a lot faster and a lot better uh, at a given G-force than the, uh, than the swinging bucket ones do. And ours acts like a, like a fixed angle rotor, but is like, is like a big bucket. So the funny thing is, is that we can actually clarify things most of the time faster than the big centrifuges can, uh, even though we're actually running at half the G-forces and like half the noise level and like infinitely more safety than the other one is. And the whole thing fits uh, into something um, slightly larger than a food processor. That's, it's so easy to lift, in fact, that I have it in my backpack. Oh, you'll like this, Nastasia. You'll enjoy this. This is Nastasia's favorite kind of story. So right after this, we're going to uh, food and wine, right? In a car. Anyway, so I'm running up the, the subway stairs to get here, uh, and you know how you, sometimes you just don't lift your foot high enough yes. and you kick oh, the stair? No. Yeah. yeah. So I don't lift my foot high enough. <laughs> I kick the stair, and I start going down. Now, I have the centrifuge, the, the spins all, on my back. And so I say, okay, as I'm going down, I'm like, I could try to catch myself. But if I try to catch myself, there's a possibility that I will spin and smack my backpack into... Why would you spin? This, like, you know when you catch yourself, if you only catch yourself a little bit, but you continue to rotate, you'll spin over and you'll smack in on the other side? Yeah. So I just went straight down on my knees, right on the stairs. Boom! Like, straight, like, boom! I was like, ah! You know what I mean? And then got, got up and went, but the centrifuge is fine. Centrifuge doesn't care. Well done, Dave. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, oh, some more interesting facts about the Spinzol uh, is that it will run, it runs on either, now for those of you that don't know, the United States power supplies that we use here are 120 volt, well, whatever, they're like 105 to 125 depending on where you are. But the key thing here is that they are uh, 60 cycles per second, 60 cycles, that's the, that's the frequency of the power uh, mains. Now, in Europe, right, mo- mo- Europe, mo- all, all of Europe actually runs at 50 cycles per second, 220 to 240 or something, somewhere in there. Now, uh, it's not really the voltage. The voltage is easy. So you just put a transformer on it and you can change the voltage. The real problem with equipment is changing the number of uh, the frequency of the power because it changes the speed at which motors operate. Um, the good news in the Spinzol is that it doesn't care what frequency you put in. So you will need a transformer to use it in Europe or, um, or actually you won't need – it's interestingly, you won't need a transformer in Japan. Japan's the weird one. It runs at 120 volts 50 cycles, which is crazy. That is weird. It's the only place in the world, I think, that it uses our voltage but like a European standard for the frequency. It's crazy. I think. Someone will correct me on this. But anyway – so, um, yeah, so it'll run anywhere in the world with a transformer and an adapter. And the reason is that um, in order the, – the centrifuge – most motors, most AC motors, alternating current motors, uh, are locked to some fixed number uh, – or not locked, but they run based on – their, their RPM is based on uh, some multiple of the line frequency. So when you're running uh, a motor, an AC motor at uh, 60 hertz uh, with 60 hertz power and you take it to uh, – 
um, a country that runs on 50 hertz power, you're running it at five sixths the speed, slower by you know by a good chunk, uh, and that would not be good for the centrifuge running it at a slower speed. But luckily, this in order for the spins all to work properly, part of the patent it's patent pending. I mentioned patent pending. Did I mention that patent pending? Uh, is that the rotor speed moves up and down slightly? So once it reaches its full speed, which by the way is about 4100 RPM, uh, it will decelerate and ex- accelerate a, a kind of sinusoidally. It will oscillate up and down. And the reason it does that is to create a little bit of angular acceleration of the ring torus on the inside of the spinning thing, and it allows the puck, the the solids, to uh, form more evenly around the ring. And it actually helps to sediment the stuff faster uh, because it kind of from experience, I mean, I haven't done, I mean, this is just anecdotally, but it kind of helps the particles dig in. It gives me a faster uh, clarification. So, um, yeah, so it moves up and down. But to do that, the spins all actually creates the frequency that the motor runs at. And consequently, it doesn't care what frequency you put into it. So you can run it anywhere. Um, what else am I missing, Paul? Anything else? Oh, it will be NSF certified, UL certified, and CE certified. We're going for all the certifications. Now, you might ask, how much would I have to pay for such a thing? Well, the retail price is, what's the retail price, Astasia? $999. Do we add the 99 cents or no? Sure. $999.99? Mm-hmm. Wait, $999.99. Yes. Uh, but for this pre-sale only, we are going to sell it for? $699. Yes. Yeah, and we're not even going to charge the extra 99 cents. Just $699. Um, Shipping will be included in the United States, but uh, foreign people will have to pay uh, for their own shipping. Now, here's the thing. We need to pay for the tooling, and we need to pay for the uh, building them. And Nastasia and I don't, just don't have the money. I would pull the money out of my pocket if I could, but yeah. I just don't have the money. So we're going to pre-sell them at uh, that price, but if people don't buy them, if we can't get the pre-sales to uh, do it, we just won't make it. So the way the pre-sale is going to work is you're going to uh, you're going to basically pledge to buy one. It's not actually a Kickstarter, but it's going to run similarly to a Kickstarter, but on the Modernist Pantry website. You're going to pledge to buy one, and then only after we reach our target number, do we do we officially set the target number yet, Nastasia? I think it's thousand, right? Thousand units. So $700,000, basically, $699,000. So if, once we reach that number, then we charge your cards and we go into full production. And, and when do they get them? Uh, they will. They will ship in June or July of next year. Uh, now, this is not, by the way, for those of you that were uh, part of the Searsall thing. Here's how the Searsall worked. The Searsall was Nastasia and Piper. Back when Piper worked with us, and I, in the basement of the Booker and Dax lab. Um, we, made, we literally made the prototypes for the Searsall, which is the little torch attachment that we sell, uh, out of uh, cocktail shakers. I went to uh, the Bowery Restaurant District here in New York City. I bought the smallest three-piece cocktail shaker that I could find. I took a plasma cutter, cut it into the uh, Searsall shape. That's literally how the Searsall shape was developed. It was built around the smallest available uh, three-piece cocktail shaker. Uh, then we shipped, we, we did the Kickstarter, uh, Piper and I in the basement made, I think 20, right? We made like 20, uh, cocktail shaker Searsalls in the basement, uh, you know, on Eldridge street here, mailed them out to chefs. And we did the video with those protos. That's how we did our Kickstarter thing. And we hadn't yet found a manufacturer, uh, 
or any of that stuff, which is one of the reasons why it took a long time. I think if you've never made something, like uh, produced something, making a single prototype is blindingly easy compared to actually getting something manufactured. It's very there's, There are more difficulties than you would probably think. Right, Nastasi? Mm-hmm. Would you say it's fair? This is not what's happening with uh, the centrifuge. With the centrifuge, we not only have the manufacturer, we have the subcontractors. We've already gone through uh, like five rounds of protos, and we're actually in the place where uh, we're going to make the tooling. So I feel a lot more confident uh, with with my uh, dates and numbers than I did when we launched uh, the Searsall. You say that's fair? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what, am, what else am I missing? Anything? The prototype looks great. It runs great. It's tiny. It's very quiet. It's like a little food processor. It's yeah. extremely impressive to see and operate. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so listen, swear to, uh, this, is, this is how this is going to work. Either From Dave's mouth to what is it? Oh, I, I can't. That's not safe for work, Nastasia. No, I thought it's, oh, your version. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be Ooh. your lip to God's ears. But that's not my that's not my version. Yeah, it's not my version. My version is not part of the family show ethos that we try to maintain here at Cooking Issues. But anyway, so that's the that's the extent uh, of the pitch. But I will just say this: that um, if you do not, uh, if, if if it is not something that you guys are interested in, then we'll know. We yeah, we'll know, and we won't build it. And. To be honest, Nastasi and I will fold up the equipment company. I'll just go do a separate bar no, and just not. go write books. What do you mean? You're going to do uh, Leatherman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm going to. Well, no, I have a family. Oh. I can't be the, the Leatherman. If you didn't tune into the show where he talked about the Leatherman, was a guy in the 1800s who never spoke to anyone and just wore clothing that he made himself out of discarded boot leather uh, and like a tin pan that he carried around with him and walked a continuous circuit of 340 or 50 miles once every 34 days, 10 miles a day, and never slept inside a, you know, a day in his adult life. And just did that until he literally dropped dead and was found in one of his caves dead from the mouth cancer that he had the past year, the last year and a half of his life. The Leatherman. Uh, uh, if you look him up on the internet, it is Leatherman Perens Vagabond. <laughs> you know, Vagabond used to be such a horrible... Vagabond now sounds like vaguely romantic, right? Because we use, we use bum when we mean vagabond. But like back in the day, vagabond was, or, you know, was yeah. bad. Very bad. You didn't want to be a vagabond. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, let's go to a commercial and come back with actual cooking issues questions. This episode is brought to you by Juul, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a pretty good cook. Maybe you already know that sous vide is the best way to get a kick-ass, juicy steak. And with Juul, a new sous vide tool from Chef Steps, you can do so much more. Smoky tender ribs, homemade yogurt, creme brulee, bright, crunchy pickles, vibrant purees, even smooth, creamy ice cream, all perfectly cooked every time. Juul is sleek and small enough to fit in your kitchen drawer, and it's operated by an elegant smartphone app that's been designed to remove the guesswork, get you cooking faster, and give you the information and inspiration you want when you want it. 
Browse Chef Steps' amazing recipes and helpful guides. Choose your perfect doneness for any meat and get notified when your food is ready. You know you'll get great results, so you can focus on sides and sauces. Or just pour yourself a cocktail and chill until you're ready for a delicious dinner. For more information and to order yours now, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. That's a new version of that uh, thing. I was th- in my head. I was thinking we only did one. <laughs> I was thinking no, but you never had the chill to the next episode section in there. Yeah, no, that's always been in there. We just never take the midway break. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, for for the like first time, my wife is actually listening to what I was saying on the thing, and she was like, "Hey, thanks for making me look like the bad guy." Which again. you know what? Again, for like throwing her under the bus, I was like, "You know what? That's fair. Fair point." Here's the thing, right? One of my all-time favorite things about my wife is that she is, like, straight-up honest, no sugar-coating, like, tells it as she sees it. Like, this is, like, honestly my, one of my favorite things. Like, unlike – and so, like, when something is not, like, the way that she wa- – like, she thinks it's bad, she's going to say so, which is why she was such a fantastic editor for my book – and, I mean, without my wife, my book – people think I'm, like, saying this to be – no, without my wife editing the book, the book would not have been, like, anything. It would have been horrible. And uh, so, you know, she is, like, an ama- amazing editor. But on the same side, when you just come from an editing session with someone who's actually a good editor, it is painful. And it is – there is friction involved in the editing process because they take something you've worked on and they shred it into tiny pieces, but only to make it better. But it just – you know, so – Anyway, so yeah. I, I should not I should not have tried to I should not have accidentally thrown her under the bus. Nastasia, on the other hand, is like, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like or what it reads like, just get it out there, right? Well we have a different perspective on things where I think getting it done is better than perfect and you think perfection is It's not perfection. It's like anyway, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um Okay, so let's get to uh some questions. Um Oh, before I get to... Well, I'll get some questions first. Uh, this one is in... You have the answer from Del Posto, right? I have some comments beforehand. By the way, do you like the word... Indu- How do you pronounce Induja? I, I always know. say, like, Induja. What do you say? Paul, you're, you're an Induja man, aren't Induja you? Induja sounds good. Induja. Induja. It sounds not pleasant. Like, is like, right? Yeah. Right. What would you rather have? Would you rather have some delicious salumi or Induja? Eve. Would you rather have Lomo or Induja? Would you rather have Suprasata or as we call it Suprasad or would you rather have Induja? Would you rather have Speck or Induja? Prosciutto or Induja? Induja sounds like what it is though. It's like, really okay, so, so what it is is a super, it's like a very spicy, you know, very red, very stain your clothes, very fat heavy, pasty cured meat product. Yes. Yes. Accurate. The answer is underneath there. No, yeah, but aren't you going to read it? So that, like, no. Now I have to read both? Like yeah, a chunk? Yeah, we need a, yeah, yes. We need a what? We got to wrap up in five. No, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, we have another. Uh, we have a five ten. Hi, Dave, uh, the Hammer and Heritage Radio peeps. I decided to try the Induja recipe from Mark Ladner's excellent Del Posto cookbook and intend to offer it to my guests pre-Thanksgiving dinner. By the way, Nastasia and my editor, Maria Guarnaschelli, hate pre-meat and cheese at, uh, at a large meal. Paul, what are your thoughts on pre-meat and cheese? It will fill you up. But so it's what? Tasty. It's tasty. See, they hate it because in a classic restaurant, the cheese course comes, of course, 
at the end. Yes. My feeling is at home, home is less formal than at a formal restaurant. That's why it's home and not a formal restaurant. That having cheese, because it's more like cheese, the cold antipasti kind of idea, but it's with, it doesn't have to be Italian, right? So you have cheeses, meats, bread, wine, while you're waiting for the thing to come out. And then at the end of the meal, that's when you bring out the port and the stilton. So you bring out cheese again at the end, but I think you can bookend a meal with cheese and it's not problematic. But Nastasia doesn't believe it. Not cheese. for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, in my family, we always assume, like when people because come I assumed up, we were going to eat at three. Okay, well, sorry was... for your assumption; that was incorrect. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the point is, is that the like when you have the like, no, but you say this in every meal. No, Forget no, I always have cheese at the beginning of. Every well, Maria meal. hates it, and you agreed. You nodded your head up and down that you thought that she was right. You're Maybe just, you're, just about Thanksgiving. No, we weren't talking about Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, we were talking about meals in general. So I was basically, to make Maria happy. Probably. Oh, so you, so you. I did not know that you were the kind of person that says stuff you don't believe just to make people happy. That For wasn't Maria, the kind of person. Anything. Oh, I owe, I owe her another book. Okay. Uh, I had my butcher grind uh, the shoulder for the... We're back to the question, folks. I had my butcher grind the shoulder on Saturday, and I prepared it within a few hours. The grind was somewhat coarse, and I used plastic wrap to form it into a log. Now, if, if you thought enduja was a bad word, enduja log sounds like even worse. Um, I like it, though, but I can't have a lot. It's so fatty. Yeah. How much can you eat of them? Not much. What about you, Paul? Like one... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there's a lot of bread, it's like you know what I don't like. I don't like when they used to serve you like a, a boatload of foie gras with no starch. Like the thing is, if I'm gonna have something really fatty, like a lardo, or like I just want some starch to cut the fat. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. Um, the grind was somewhat coarse, and I used plastic wrap to form it into a log. The cook, no one can form plastic wrap logs like my man Nils. My man Nils Norin is the plastic wrap log king. I learned from him, and I got pretty good. But Nils Norin can take any, the man can take like a tractor trailer semi and form it into a perfect cylinder using only purity brand plastic wrap. He's a plastic wrap genius. That's true. Yeah. Um, the cookbook says a three-day cure is sufficient, but since I've never had to rely solely on Prague powder number two before, I was hoping for some assurance that this sausage will be safe to eat by the holiday. Thanks a bunch and keep up the good work. Nick from Cleveland. Now, uh, because this is a Thanksgiving question, Nastasia sent uh, uh, into Del Posto to get an answer for you, and then Mark can talk about it next week when he comes in on the radio as well, but it'll be too late because your family will already have been poisoned by then. Just kidding. We're not going to poison your family. But the uh, a couple comments I'll make straight off off the bat, um, Prague powder or Instacure number two is a curing salt. For those of you that don't do any curing, it's a mixture of uh, salt and uh, powder number two is a mixture of sodium nitrite and sodium nitrate. Trite and trait. Now, uh, if you don't know, this, this is all you need to know. Nitrite I-T-E, is the fast-acting version of nitrate. So what these things, that's what causes the cured color in meats. It's what, it has a specific cured taste. It also specifically, those nitrites, nitrates, uh, specifically in, inhibit botulism from growing. So in sausages, which by the way, botulism I think comes from the Latin for like sausage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like it's classic because you're taking meat that's been exposed and folding it into an oxygen poor environment and that's why you can get botulism from it if it's not either uh, cooked or cured properly. So the the nitrites uh, help to uh, prevent or, or prevent botulism, stop botulism from growing. Now, uh, nitrates are really just the long-acting version of nitrites. 
So since this is a three-day cure, I don't see any reason why you would include nitrate in it at all. I don't understand why they're using Prague powder number two and not instead of Prague powder number one. Typically, you only use number two uh, on long-cured products, and by that I mean things like hams, where you need uh, – because what happens is as this stuff soaks into your meat – over time, nitrate is converted to nitrite and then converted on further to form the products that actually cure the meat. So if you don't require that kind of time-lapse um, or time-release, rather, action on the nitrates, you don't want to use them. So I don't know why he's using number two powder. We can ask him next week. I would use number one. Um, that said, there's also a couple of things going on here. The nitrites will immediately prevent botulism from growing, and since you took meat and it was exposed Exposed to oxygen, botulism will not be growing in the meat from the get-go. So you will be safe on a botulism count. This is just my opinion now. I'm going to read the answer from Del Posto. The only issue you have is that if there are other bacteria in the meat, for instance, E. coli, or if you're one of these people that believe trichinosis is still a problem in the U.S. pork source, which it isn't really, but if you believe that or if you're using wild-caught meat uh, and it hadn't been pri uh, previously frozen for the prescribed number of days to kill trichinella, that's also a possibility. But uh, if there is a bacteria in it, for instance, E. coli is one of the bacteria uh, of interest in, uh, muscle, in you know, mammal meats. Um, it will take a certain amount of time for that E. coli to be destroyed by the action of uh, salt, uh, dehydration, and the acidification that happens as meat is curing because bacteria grow in the meat, lactic acid bacteria grow in the meat, uh, drop the pH, i.e. increase the acidity, and it's the combination of uh, wa loss of water, uh, increase in um, salt, and in uh, increase in acidity, decrease in pH that really prevent uh, and kill the bacteria that are there that are present already, bad bacteria, uh, and prevent new ones from growing. That said, Induja is such a high-fat product that I don't know how, what the water activity is from the get-go because it's such a high-fat product to begin with. It might start with an extremely low water activity. I don't know. Do you know, Paul? I have no idea. No, that makes sense, though. Yes. So, uh, and then uh, I, wasn't, I didn't have time uh, to look up, like, how long it takes for things like E. coli to die in uh, certain environments, but these are known curves. But here's the answer. Uh, here's the answer uh, from Del Posto. Uh, whenever you are consuming raw, dried, or cured meat, there's always a risk of potential foodborne Ill illness. However, we take the following precautions to do our best to minimize uh, and prevent them. Do you like it? It's like so classic, like classic, like menu talk. You might die, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, First, always start with whole roasts of meat. The potential for foodborne illness in meats takes place in large meat processing plants where tens of thousands of pounds of meat are being ground together at a time. There is much less risk for consuming ground meat if it is a whole loin to start that you purchase from a reputable butcher and grind yourself. Secondly, when grinding the meat, be sure that all parts of your grinder are clean and sterilized. Oh my God, whenever anyone says clean and sterilized, what do you think of right away? Willy Wonka. The ceiling had to be, wait, no, washed, right? Washed and sterilized so you get... Nothing. Remember this? No. Like, you stole fizzy lifting drink. You don't remember this? Oh, my God. You guys aren't Willy Wonka heads? You remember it? No. Dave, Willy Wonka head? Uh, it's been a minute. I forget. Oh, God, man. Hey, I, I can't believe all you, like... You have kids. Do you watch that, like, every week? I used to watch it before I had kids every week. But then, <laughs> after I had kids, they got sick of it after a while. Thank God they never got turned on to the new one. Anyway. Mm. Uh, second, when uh, grinding uh, meat, be sure that all parts of your grinder are clean and sterilized to prevent any cross-contamination. Or you get nothing! Uh, like, he was awesome, right? I mean, Gene Wilder? Awesome. 
Finally, uh, the nitrate and nitrite found in curing salts help to inhibit the growth of bacteria such as botulism that can cause foodborne illness. Yes, the growth of, but it won't necessarily kill stuff that's already there fast enough. That's the question. Uh, eating uncooked meat always comes with a risk. However, by taking these precautions, we limit the chance of foodborne illness substantially. The curing of induja for this particular recipe is for the flavor development more so than the loss of water that is a result of drying. It is similar to eating a seasoned steak tartare. Hope this answers your question. Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Matt. Okay, so in the in the few seconds that uh, Nastasia is going to give me left before we need to go, mm-hmm. I just want to bring up uh, a question. Now, we weren't uh, – this is not a political show, right? And we weren't here last week, which was the week uh, after the election. I'm not going to talk uh, politics, uh, but I'll say pretty much no matter what side of um, – you know, you were voting for in the election here. It seems like the country pretty much gave a a kind of who gives a crap about um, kind of sexual assault. That's kind of what happened. It's one of the things that happened. It's like we were like all of these allegations flying around, and it was kind of like a, a, a you know the country was like, eh, it's not important. Like it's like that's the impression I got. I think that's the impression that a lot of people got, which I think is horrifying. And this is regardless of what side you're voting for. And in the in the wake of that, there was a website. And this is this is going out not to the necessarily the people who listen who aren't pros, but people who are in the industry. A website popped up very soon after the election called the Reality of Sexual Assault in the Cocktail Community dot com. And when I read it. It was a uh, it was a blog where a number of women had come forward and explained uh, what it was like to be sexually assaulted by a particular person in the cocktail community. I'm not going to bring up any anyone's name, but a particular person in the cocktail community. Uh, and when I was reading it, I was horrified by it. But also, I got the distinct impression that. Uh, this is actually a much bigger problem than I had realized. That, like, kind of like, uh, not just there, there's a there's a kind of gross, uh, unnecessary, I think, um, non-inclusive broness about the food industry in general. Definitely. Yeah, and I think like you know, I think everyone thinks that that broness is kind of harmless, but it isn't really because it is kind of it is exclusionary. Like you don't talk like you talk to your bros when you're around people in, in you know, in not normal environments when you want to kind of be nice or, or human, to at least I think you don't. You know what I mean? So, like, taking it into a work environment such that, like, a, a huge section of the people who are working with you feel naturally excluded is not, I think, a harmless a harmless thing. Correct. Uh, not, to, yeah, anyway, so, like, all of that stuff, I think, you know, but at a, at a bare minimum, you would think that someone could go to work and not be I'm not talking about comments like which are also bad but like straight up sexual assault I was horrified and I think one of the problems in the uh, industry and when we we re, re, reopen I know that I'm going to change how uh, our um uh, you know our train our training is to be specific I think we all need to be when, when Nastasia, when we had the training at Momofuku for the like the, everyone's kind of making light of the of the uh, uh, harassment training because the way they do it is so goofy and overly uh, corporate, right? So they sit around and we all do these training things. Is this is this harassment? Is this not harassment? And it's all kind of goofy things. Here's the truth: the truth is is that I wouldn't want to work in an environment where I can't. I'm, I use salty language. In, in the real life. Nastasia uses salty language in the real life. Yeah. Um, cooks and bartenders can be 
um, raunchy and salty and like and and you know use bad language and say crazy things and I think that's all okay it's but everything has to come from a position of respect right and a lot of times uh, it doesn't there's a difference between saying that someone has to be politically correct and saying no what you really want to do is respect your coworkers like that's the issue and i think the real thing when it comes to assault real assault and uh, sorry to go on about this but i think it's imp- important not talked about enough is that honestly we know what what it is like having goofy training where you like are like oh wow that that was assault you know what i mean no it's like what we need to train on is letting everybody know that it is completely unacceptable that like the fact that you're a cook and you're it's late and you've been out drinking with your coworkers or you're a bartender and you've been drinking oh he was drunk no he wasn't drunk he's he's doing something criminal he is is doing something evil and wrong if you are someone who tries to use this as an excuse stop now if you see someone doing it don't make excuses for them i think Part of the issue here is that there's a whole group of women out there who think that they need to remain silent because everyone else thinks it's okay. I think the main thing that we need to do, everyone needs to come out and say, this kind of crap is unacceptable. This kind of crap will not be accepted, cannot be accepted, and cannot be tolerated. So hopefully this is something, uh, I don't know, we could talk about more. Do you think this is an issue we should talk about more or should be talked about more in the community? Respecting coworkers, yes. Respecting coworkers and, you know... Don't like let everybody know not to you know that they shouldn't be silent that it's not okay that it's you know which by the way if you want to remain it's up to the anyone who's had something happen to them you know it's up to them what they want to do right but for the rest of us don't allow this stuff to take place don't make excuses for anyone cooking issues right. listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.